are listening to CFCR 90.5 FM radio. This is Punch Radio, and this is time for the nerdy news. In the studio today, we have Tony and Kathy and Brennan and Jody, and we are very lucky in that Craig and Hank have pre-recorded a little tasty tidbit for us, so we'll get to that a little bit later. Um, we're going to talk about a variety of things today. Tony and Kathy have toy news, no no surprise there, um, some cool retro stuff, and uh, Brennan is going to piggyback on a little bit about what he talked about last week, which was Warrior Nun, and uh, so he's going to talk about some spiritual comics and other nun-related comics. Um, which I cannot wait to hear about, you know, love the black and white. And uh, I'm going to talk about firepower as promised. And I'm hoping that Tony will chime in on this because uh, I made him read this. Uh, Brennan, I think I threw a copy in your file as well. It's so good. It's just, okay, I can't wait to talk about this, but you have to wait till the end of the show to hear my review of firepower. And yeah, Craig and Hank will join us. Uh, via the miracle of pre-recording to talk about their picks in TV and movies. And Hank went to a movie theater. Like OMG actually went to a movie theater. So he's going to talk about his experience uh, doing that a little bit going forward. So, okay, Tony, let's kick things off. Tell us uh, some, some news. What's happening with Kenner? Okay, so I just want to talk a little bit about the old Star Wars toys to kind of lead up to the new toys that they're doing. And I just kind of want to start off with back at the beginning, back in 1977, Kenner started making, producing, and I started enjoying the three and three quarter inch action figures. When they first came out, actually, Kenner actually didn't have any action figures to start off with. They came out actually with a, uh, an empty box with a coupon inside that said you would receive four figures in 1978. So not expecting people to be wanting Star Wars stuff so quickly, they were, you know, they decided to do this empty box campaign, uh, which works that a lot of, um, uh, a lot of people who were watching this stuff, there's a lot of commercials on TV and so forth. So it was very exciting as a child uh, when the first 12 came out. I remember buying them at the, the local Sears store and I was lucky because there was a lot of a lot of things changed, and the ones that came out first are the ones that people are sought after. There was a vinyl cape Jawa, which later became a cloth cape Jawa. Uh, there was the um, the lightsabers were different on the Vader and the Luke and the Ben, and they changed later on to a, an easier to to use lightsaber. So it was very exciting when I was a kid buying these toys. Uh, the problem was it stopped because people got old. Star Wars got old, and back in 1985, there was no more toys. Uh, Star Wars kind of had an ending, uh, and between 85 to 95, they call it the dead years. There was very little Star Wars merchandise uh, was being produced at all, so there was no toys. Then, 1995, there was a huge resurgence in action figures, and they came out again. So basically, the toys that came out were a lot different than the ones in 95. They were kind of more like buffy, um, buffed up uh, action figures, kind of like your He-Man type stuff. And when that happened... Everyone went nuts and everyone wanted action figures. So all of a sudden action figures are a big thing again. So it stops, comes back. Now what's happening is people are into retro. Retro toys are huge. And because of that, Kenner is now putting out toys that are reminiscent and look the same as the ones that came out in 1977. There's definitely an oddness to that because you can now buy, you know, the carded figures that you could buy when you were a kid. Um, they're reproductions of the original figures. They're, uh, they put them basically on a card that's similar to the one from 1977. 
Uh, and because of that, the, it looks really good. The cards look worn. Uh, they're quite, a, you know, quite a bit different in the sense that the, you can tell that they're a retro card. Uh, there's a big sticker on the front that says it has, uh, it's a retro card and it's really hard to get off. The cards are thinner, they warp easily. The back of the card is very genetic, uh, or generic, sorry, and nothing like old cards. Uh, they're also very genetic. <laughs> Not just generic, but they're very genetic. It's a very genetic card. The actual results are copies. So you're buying new cards, you're buying new toys now, they're exactly the same as the ones that you could have had. So they're basically, they use the same molds, they remold them, sorry, they're a little bit bigger, a little bit smaller, depending on the figure. They come up with a card that's very similar to what you would get. And uh, sometimes they don't hold their blasters very well, but the likeness is pretty good and they look, they're pretty nice. Um, the, the first line came out with uh, the Luke, Leia, there was the big headed Han Solo, which was actually the second release of Han Solo. Uh, Chewy Darth Vader. And they're all in their new hope garb. Oh, there's also a Star Trooper in there too, which was awesome. Now, recently they came up with a new wave uh, a few months ago, and that actually was the, the Empire Strikes Back wave. So it had Han, Hoth, Leia Hoth. Uh, I think there was a Lando, a Yoda, a Bestman Luke. And the big one was Boba that came out. Very, very nice looking cards. Again, they, they look the same as the other ones. This one uh, obviously has the Empire Strikes Back markings on it. The big one was Boba Fett, very, very sought after. Um, the problem with these is you can't find them. The first set came out, it was actually a Target exclusive. So you can't get them in Canada. So I think they might've came out at Toys R Us, but very little showed up. And then when they show up, people grab them fast and they're gone. The second wave came out at the, uh, the Walmart here in, here in town. There was three Walmarts in town. They got them, they were gone like that day. So people are, are buying them online. Um, I'm hoping that they come online to some of the online stores. They're not yet uh, and they're hard to get. And if you go online to buy like a bowl of fatties, 80, 90 bucks, which is ridiculous. I love the idea of doing retro figures. I love retro stuff. Um, I like the idea of buying something and paying $10, $20 for it. And, you know, it reminds you of being a kid. They're not great figures, but they're fun in the sense that, you know, they're, they're awesome. But they just don't make them, which makes them really collectible, which is really a drag because a lot of people, I think, would enjoy them, but just can't afford them or don't want to spend that kind of money for them. Um, you want to piggyback on that, Kathy? You wanted to talk about retro toys today too. Yeah, just briefly. It's not just Star Wars that's doing the retro toys um, and jumping on that craze. Pop culture in general has kind of reverted back to the 1980s, I feel like. New TV, like it's not just everybody watching old TV. I, new TV, like Goldberg's, uh, Stranger Things, The Americans, uh, the new Wonder Woman that's coming out is based in 1984. The 1980s are like cool right now. They, so They've always been cool. Well, <laughs> kind of. They've, they've always been cool. The 80s are <laughs> to, awesome. To some people, they've always <laughs> been cool. But yeah, in general, the 1980s are cool and it's affecting uh, the clothes that we wear um, and the stuff that we watch and the toys that we buy. So the, the toys that we had in 1980 are coming back and they're making them look like they came out of 1980s too, like, like the Star Wars ones. Besides Kenner, there was a company called Reaction that put out a bunch of figures. Um, there's a company now called Super 7 that's making toys in that style, in the Reaction style of card that's similar to Kenner 
they're putting out Masters of the Universe, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle, uh, Macross Sega, which is the old Robotech stuff that used to be pre-Transformers type toys. Pretty cool. Um, we found uh, an Andre the Giant, a couple of Andre the Giant toys that were made in the reaction thing that they're actually super cool. We might have to look those up and get those. Um, Back to the Future, the, the real Transformers, Plus, they're doing a whole bunch of uh, like movie figures that are based in the 80s, like Teen Wolf, Aliens, uh, Red Dawn. Um, you can get 80s bands in a toy figure. Also, uh, Motorhead, all kinds of stuff like that. It seems all, almost like they take uh, the whole idea of having a Star Wars type 70s card and they just... You put anything in that in that little plastic bubble and with a carded you know with a back card back and make it you know 80s looking figures and people will buy them yeah people love retro stuff it's hard it's hard not to buy stuff when it is cool as it is so oh we saw uh those cool ones from they live also <gasps> they live figures yes yeah yeah. So you can buy the colored version of the alien from They Lived, and then you can buy the black and white version that says what they have on the card, obey, obey or whatever. So like the card, the with, it's a white card back, and it just says obey on the on the card. <laughs> yeah, and, then and, the, and the colored one is actually like looks like an actual you know a colored card back, and yeah, the obey obey one is pretty awesome. So. <laughs> pretty exciting. Yeah, toys yeah. are fun. Toys are, are fun no matter when you buy them and how much they are, just buy them. Buy your toys, enjoy them. Spend your money. Because <laughs> the box came in the mail today and Kathy saw it and she, right now I'm going to say, yeah, spend your money. <laughs> spend it while you got it. Right, Kath? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, far be it from me to uh, discourage any kind of consumerism. So, okay, Brennan, you're buying comics. So uh, last week you talked about the uh, Warrior Nun um, and you really kind of didn't get enough time to really delve into it. So I'm hoping that you have some picks in your back pocket for us to recommend. I do. I definitely have I have some more nonsense I can bring. Uh, uh, uh. Um, so for a quickly, quick second here. Is it like Warrior Nun, like N-O-N-E, like there's no warriors? Warrior Nun? <laughs> That's, that's the like apocalyptic version of it. So so again, just to recap, Warrior Nun, um, Ariella, which is kind of like the most popular one of the, the Warrior Nun kind of series. It's probably the one people know the most about where we have the secret order of nuns that work for the Vatican and they kill monsters and look for artifacts. One of the next most popular ones is Evangeline. And this was a Rob Lee filed created book written by Mark Poulton with Mark, oh, sorry, the artwork by Owen Gianni. It's a beautiful looking book. Technically, Evangeline is not a nun. She was a very powerful, I think one of the most powerful angels in heaven. She gets tricked and basically tricked to say that she didn't love a God as much as she should have. So she's sent back down to earth and she no longer has powers, but she's trying to help fight off the the forces of evil. So she ends up working quite closely with a local parishioner and helping out the church and things. So not a nun per se, but in the same kind of genre, okay? This one is a bit more rooted in reality than Warrior Nun Ariella, which might sound kind of funny, but it is. She's kind of on the streets and fighting other sexy demons and things. 10 years later, in 1984, there was a comic called Evangeline with an E. 
So don't get them mixed up. There's Evangeline with an A and Evangeline with an E. This one uh, was written by Mar uh, Chuck Dixon, who's noted for breaking Batman's back. And the artwork is by Linda Hunt. This very much has that 1980s kind of valiance look where the comics were hand painted instead of done by the color process. Um, and this one, it's in the future, uh, I think in the 23rd century and planets have been colonized and she is working under a special cardinal to help rescue people that have been persecuted because of their religion on other planets. This one is much more like a, oh, I'm blanking on the name right now. Uh, the guy that goes around on planets, I wanna say John Carpenter, it's not John Carpenter. When I think of the name, you'll know who I mean, but I can't think of it right now. Reserver? No, it's, it'll, you know, when we're done, it'll come to me and I'll let you know later. But more of like exploring worlds kind of thing. She's, she uses a, a bow and arrow still even though that's an old weapon. But that's from 1984. My favorite one right now is still Steeple. I've talked about it on the show before. It's a modern comic. Again, not a nun, but it's a member of, she's a young priest in England who's trying to become part of the archdiocese. And she discovers she has to help fight off monsters. In Vampirilla right now, there is the Six Marys, and they're like another Vatican group of assassins. And their whole job is to go off and kill off vampires and things. And right now, they need Vampirilla's help um, in order to find the creatures that they want to kill, which brings the interesting question, who is more evil, the ones doing the killing or the ones that they are killing off? And then for a last one, this actually isn't at all a nun. This is Samarie, Mistress of the Martial Arts. This was also 1984, Continuity Comics, written by Neil Adams, believe it or not, and it follows this woman who's trained to be the next uh, samurai martial artist person. I know it's not a nun, but um, she's all dressed in black, a very powerful woman beating up a lot of people. So there you go. There are some, some nun books for you to check out when you have- Can I give you a little trivia about your, uh, what's the, uh, the Liefeld one? What was the one yes. called? So, um, Rob Liefeld was actually dating a girl that would dress up like Evangeline and go to cons and stuff. So that's where he got the idea and how he was, you know, he was writing about this Evangeline because it was his girlfriend. So when you see like the picture of her, like all dressed up like that, that's, that was his girlfriend he was drawing. Nice. And it actually, apparently he was inspired by uh, warrior nun Ariella too. That was kind of one of his bases for his inspiration. So there you go. That hopefully will fill some holes in everyone's comic collections out there. Okay. Well, if you need some uh, temptation and uh, recommendations for TV and movies as well, here is Craig and Hank with their recommendations for this week. Hey, thanks, Jody. It's uh, Craig and Hank here, and we've got some fun stuff to talk about. Uh, so first of all, before we jump into anything, I know that uh, Hank uh, went to a movie already with the reopening of the theaters, and I didn't get a chance to go, but uh, I kind of wanted to know, Hank, like what, the, like what the experience was like. I can say that the experience was a little weird. It was a little strange. It was, uh, we went to see Deadpool. And of course, right now, all the movies that are out are movies that have already come out. So the excitement wasn't there for the movie. But the excitement was to go back and try it out just to go to a movie again, because we all love going to movies. And like walking in, we went to Landmark and the place is empty. Uh, we were the only uh, people that had bought tickets for the movie. They staggered the start time so that in theory, you're not even coming when other people are going to see any of the other shows. 
the air conditioning hadn't been turned on in the theater in however many months. So the musty smell and the humidity and the blah. And then even buying the popcorn and everything was still with all the plexiglass and all the weird stuff up there now. It just, I don't know, it didn't feel the same. So I'm thinking that once like Tenant comes out or something that we really want to see with the excitement of actually seeing a movie that we haven't seen before, then it'll feel better. But with nobody around, it was almost, it was depressing is what it was. I didn't like it. Huh, interesting. I know like they're also uh, playing some classic films, things like Jaws or I don't know, maybe Casablanca or something. And I know like because of the staggered start times and everything, I actually was going to take my son to see Jurassic Park because I was due for a rewatch. He had never seen it. Uh, but they were all like 9 p.m. shows, and he's like six years old. So I was like, who is this for? It's for uh, people like me that watched it uh, 28 times on VHS and then 28 times on DVD, and it's like, I need to go back to the theater. And no, it's depressing. It's depressing right now. Yeah. Well, hopefully uh, Tenant, I know, got pushed back to August, so hopefully it uh, still ends up coming out. But uh, anyway, that's cool. I just wanted to know what that experience ha had been like because I haven't had a chance to set foot yet. Uh, so, uh, what else is going on? What have you been, uh, what have you been watching? What are you, what are we talking about today? Okay. Um, let's start with Crossing Swords. Have you heard of it? I think that this is a family radio program and I'm not sure we should do that, but, uh, or this is a show or a book. This is a show. Uh, it is a, uh, it's what, it's on Hulu or Crave in Canada and also CTV comedy, if you get that. Uh, it's billed as a good-hearted peasant dreaming of knighthood becomes a squire at the royal castle. But his dream job isn't everything he hoped it would be. But what it actually is, is a unique animated show, and the animation is featuring old-school Fisher-Price little people uh, that are made from wood and not plastic. And it's uh, just like the title, it's uh, dirty, it's sly, it's witty, it's hilarious. And uh, the wooden little characters there, they get naked, so there, there's that. You got that going for you. Weird. I'm just looking at the uh, picture. I've just looked up a picture of it now. I can see what you mean by the Fisher Price guys. That looks yeah. like fun. Yeah, you know what? Um, for an adult audience, it is quite fun. Yeah. Huh. Uh, so I would actually, uh, I'd recommend it. Uh, Nicholas, uh, I think he pronounced it Holt, um, who starred in The Great and then a bunch of other shows. I don't know how everybody thinks he's dreamy. I don't know. Nicholas, he's, he's the, yeah. he was the kid, the weird looking kid that grew up to be dreamy. He was the kid in About a Boy with the weird Spock. Hey, yeah, hair, yeah. Eyebrows and haircut. And then, yeah, uh, yeah he grew up, uh, well, he's obviously in lots of different movies, but he was in the X-Men films too. He was Beast in the second. Yes, that is him. Yeah, he's dreamy. So he's, he's the, uh, uh, the young squire. And then Tony Hale's in it, uh, Seth Green, Brecken Meyer, uh, Tara Strong, a Canadian voice actress, uh, Yvette Nicole Brown. Uh, Rob Cordry is in an episode or two. Ben Schwartz is in a couple episodes. It's uh, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Wow. Yeah, I'm gonna have to check that one out. I haven't uh, I haven't seen that one. Uh, now because uh, because uh, I'm uh, I'm into the reading as well, which uh, I don't really talk about books all that much. But uh, I did finish Countdown 1945: The Extraordinary Story of the Atomic Bomb and the 116 Days That Changed the World by Chris Wallace. And yes, it is weird to have a historically accurate nonfiction book coming from a Fox News guy, but mm -hmm. it actually is great. Uh, so it is, uh, it counts down the 116 days until the first of the two bombs is dropped on Japan to try to bring it into World War II. Behind the scenes look at many of the key players, including 
all of the scientists, the pilots, the politicians, and a lot of it comes from the private journal entries of President Truman. I found it fascinating how he came to the final decision to actually unleash nuclear warfare on Earth and surprised, uh, especially in the reporting and uh, in the book about the amount of people that actually said, don't do it. Like the scientists and everybody like, this is just, just please don't. And there are so many people opposed to it where, I don't know, many other things make it seem like everybody was like, this is the best thing ever, drop the bomb, yes. But as it turns out, even Truman was like, I think we should just go and invade Japan instead. But finally, it was the loss of hundreds of thousands of like American lives versus decimating uh, a couple uh, of the enemy cities. So we all know what happened there. But the book, the only thing that I found disappointing was at the end, it did end with dropping the first bomb. And then in the epilogue, it talked about the second bomb, but I wish they actually would have went through the whole process of the second bomb as well, because it was so close together. But uh, definitely, if you are into uh, World War II, into history, check the book out, check it out. That makes sense. They, do they discuss it all? I don't know if this came way later and I, I'm sorry, I forget the term for it, but there was a like theoretical thing where like, if a president wants to blow up a bomb or set off a nuke, the like the codes like have to be like embedded in a guy basically. So that like to, to, to fire the nuke, you have to kill the guy. And so it's a guy that travels around with the president basically. So that like, like yes you're unleashing like untold like you know damage and uh loss of life in another country you know thousands and thousands of miles away but to do that like you'd have to kill one guy first with your not with your bare hands but like mm -hmm. you know you'd have to as the president commit that act of murdering one man to be able to unleash this and they figured that like this would mean you know, people wouldn't do it willy-nilly, basically. It would be like... That's a, that came after once the Cold War started and they actually doing the buildup of nuclear weapons in uh, Russia and America. Right. This one was... Uh, there was actually even some of the lead scientists, even after they did the test uh, out in the, the desert, and uh, to go, oh, wow, like, this is even more powerful than we could have even imagined. There were still people, and he just, well, like the president's right-hand man was still like, yeah, I don't even think it's going to work. It's a dud, this thing, like, what, it, this is just, this is science fiction. It's never going to work. And then even after the first one, they still couldn't believe how much actual destruction there was. And that's why I wanted a little more on the second bomb, because after you saw the aftermath of the first, then you go, okay, you don't want to surrender now, we'll do it again. I'm like, well, now you actually know that it works. So then it was the second one that I wanted to get the reasoning behind and really get those journal entries. But maybe there'll be another Definitely, yeah, maybe he's planning a sequel, but it definitely seems to make sense that you would cover both of those things in the same book. I mean, really, it's two events, but it's really one, isn't it? Like, and, uh, and Truman was on a boat. He was in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean when it was dropped. Like, it was still the timing and everything. It's, he was waiting for, to, to get the, the cable sent from here and here and here, so he finally got word, oh yeah, several hours ago this happened. But it was like, not like today, where it's, you know, you'd be in the the bunker under the White House and you've got the codes and you got other, it's just kind of like, oh, I wonder if it worked. You're like, okay, do you know what you're doing? Oh my God. Cool. Well, that's, uh, that's our time for today, but I'll, I'll throw back to uh, Jody and everybody. So uh, have at her, Jode.
Thank you, Hank and Craig. Okay, so as promised, I want to do a little review of Firepower. This is the new book from Robert Kirkman and Chris Samney. And this is a book that definitely got thwarted by the whole COVID thing. So basically, their plan was to have the first issue come out on Free Comic Book Day, which would have been like May 2nd, and uh, it got canceled. So Fast forward to now and uh, Free Comic Book Day is now Free Comic Book Summer and on the weekends lots of books are going to be given out every weekend at comic book stores all across North America and their book is one of them. So it's kind of neat in that like number one, it's free. It's awesome. Um, it starts uh, with the story of this dude. He's just like a regular Joe. His name's Owen Johnson. And he's like a suburban dad. He's got two kids, a dog, wife. They're having a barbecue. Seems pretty normal. Uh, he has to go out and get some hot dog buns. And suddenly you see like, oh, hey, he's got some like ninja moves whatever, and this dude approaches him in the grocery store and he's like, you know, all mysterious and he's like, okay, we gotta meet at midnight. So he makes a plan. And so you're like, what is going on? If you hadn't had an opportunity to pick up the prelude, you'd be like, okay, hmm, crazy. You don't have to have read the prelude to enjoy the comic. Um, it really it stands alone on its own. It's a-okay. But basically what happened is uh, two weeks ago, real time, um, Firepower Volume 1 Prelude came out and it's like 150 pages. And it tells what happened 15 years prior to Owen, how he's like, he was adopted. His parents made no, you know, mystery of that, no secret of that. And he had a, a photo of his parents. So he decided he was going to track them down. So he goes to China and eventually ends up in all these different like temples and learns martial arts and he goes to this last temple where he finally starts to learn some secrets and learns a little bit about his own abilities. And it's amazing. And then it just like kind of cuts off and then flashes forward to 15 years later. And, you know, Mr. Owen is in his backyard planning a barbecue. So um, I, I love it. I thought the art was tremendous. Chris Samney uh, did a wonderful run on Daredevil. And this has some feel of that. He uses a lot of inks. Um, so it's a little bit dark. It, but what I like about it, and that makes it special from other like hand-to-hand -hand combat type comics, is that you can tell what the heck is going on. Like you can tell who is fighting who, where the punches are landing, where the kicks are landing. Like most of the time it's so convoluted and messy that you can't. And this is nice and clean and great. And the storytelling is really good. Quickly, Tony, in our last minute, what did you think? Well, I really enjoyed it. I couldn't put it down. I think it was like Sunday night last week or Monday night or whatever it was. And uh, it was like 10 at night and I was ready for bed and I started reading it and I ended up just reading the whole thing because it was so great. Um, again, like you said, it was beautiful art. It's a great story. It's fun. And uh, you really get involved in the characters right away. The characters are fascinating. You just want to know what happens. To them. And uh, the, the free comic book day one I've read, um, I was more upset the fact that I had to wait now because the, the prequel, <laughs> you, you do, you, you have like six issues right there in front of you. You can read them all. This is like one issue and you're like, oh, really? I have to wait now? So yeah, it was hard. It was hard not wanting to read the rest of it, but that was good. Great book. I'm glad I read it. I'd read it again. Okay. Well, it'll, it'll make the, the final arrival of the next issue. That's much sweeter. So 
check out Firepower. And that wraps up another week of Church Radio. Thanks for tuning in. Keep your dukes up in the meantime and uh, continue listening here on CFCR 90.5 FM.